Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Syracuse wins! Are you serious? Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Davis has won it! Davis wins it for Syracuse! It's over! The Orange wins the national championship! Welcome to episode 20 of the Marshall Street Podcast for two washed-up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star question. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. And like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. I'm Jake. That's Keith. Keith, how are you doing tonight? Doing good, Jake. I was a little disappointed after SU lost to Houston, so I decided, you know what? I'm just going to take a break from all this social media stuff. So I shut down all my social media, all, all my contact outside of watching the, the college games. And I said, you know, I'm just going to cleanse. So I, I haven't seen any uh, Syracuse news <laughs> since. And I'm going to react to it live on air if there's any, because I'm sure nothing much happened. But uh, yeah, you can fill me in if any SU news occurred. Well, you're in for a rough awakening, and I thought we were, <laughs> I thought we were going to have trouble filling in content when basketball season ended, and then the transfer portal happened. <laughs> but we will get to that momentarily. First, let's talk about the Sweet 16 matchup. Syracuse rolled in uh, on a roll, going going up against two seed Houston in the Midwest Regional Semifinal. Uh, kind of a sloppy, kind of gross game all over the place for Syracuse. It's a 62-46 Houston win. 12 points from Buddy Beheim, six rebounds, only one of nine, three. Houston did a good job on him defensively. Gerard, 12 points, four of 10 shooting. Quincy, eight points, five rebounds. Not much from Alan Griffin or anybody else. No points for Robert Braswell in his 15 minutes. Uh, full disclosure for me on this, I got my vaccine the night before, and the side effects for me were pretty severe. I didn't sleep at Stick to sports, Jake. I, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, fell, I fell asleep at halftime, so I didn't see the second half. Um, so I'm gonna have to rely heavily on Keith. I mean, I've seen the highlights, I've read the stories, but Keith, what were your, what do you think about this game? I mean, you can't really be mad about losing to a two seed in a team that eventually won the region in the Sweet 16. No, it's it was just a tough way to go out because it's almost like you don't know what to expect from Syracuse, even though you do know what to expect from Syracuse when it comes to tournament time. Yeah. Because you roll through San Diego State. You play probably, I guess, hands down your best game of the year against West Virginia. And then you say, Houston's played nobody. We have a shot. And then it turns out Houston's actually really, really good. And I thought Giroux played the best defense on Buddy that I've seen anyone play all season. Like, you can't even blame Buddy in terms of going back to the mean or having an off game, which he did, but... Whole team had an off game. Jarreau's defense was just incredible. Didn't didn't let Buddy get any separation. And the guys that you saw earlier in the season making ways for us, and namely Alan Griffin, who, you know, bailed us out a lot from just getting hot. Two points, quick pull after an air ball. Quincy with eight. Just, you know, you didn't have any star power to get us through since Buddy was held to 12, one for nine for three. So all in all, just, just a sloppy game. And those, like I said, those guys you got production from, Marek, Quincy, Griffin, you're talking 12 points combined for those guys, which just isn't going to get it done in the Elite Eight. In the Sweet 16, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and the, the offense – was just the, was the main problem. Like I, defensively, I don't think Syracuse played that bad. Uh, Houston was only she was twenty three of sixty from the field. She saw they're under forty percent. Held them sixty two points. That's not awful for a two seed and a team. I think that's ranked third. They're, they're top I think five you'd on take Ken that Palm. ten times out of ten. 
Yeah, no, you would. You'd absolutely take it. But the problem was we just couldn't hit anything. Houston's Houston's a very good defensive team. And let's be honest, they did have kind of an easier road to the Final Four the first time they've ever someone's ever made it without having to play a single-digit seed. But that doesn't matter once the banner's up. I think I saw Kevin Wall tweet that. Um, so they got there. And their defense, they're clearly an elite defensive team. I, I don't think they're going to be able to slow down Baylor, but they did enough to stop us. Man. Look, what are you going to do? Was it, a, it was a disappointing end, but the way that season had gone and just how like stupid it was at points... I'm glad they made it the second weekend and won two games in the NCAA tournament. Like, there's not much to complain about. There's some, there's stuff to complain about now. But... Yeah, yeah, and I, I think this was the right score here. You may have been passed out from your oh, vaccination effects at this it was point, bad. but um, Kadari hit a three to bring it to a four-point game. I think it was forty-one to thirty-seven, and then you look at the the ending would make it a, a 21 to what nine run to end that off. Also, if you need to put in a trigger warning or a bleep out his name, when I say Kadari in post-production, Jake, feel free. It might be a little, uh, a little too soon for keys fans. But when, once he Robert had that three, Rochester I was like, all right. Ripped, Robert and Rogers just ripped <laughs> stereo out of his car. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Robert and Rochester, for those who missed it, he called in the Brent Axis show. And he was he was fed up about Behan, and Brent goes, "Was this the same team that made it to the Sweet Sixteen like three days ago?" And he basically said, "Who cares? We never win in the Sweet Sixteen historically. We have a losing record." So Brent just straight up is like, "What do you want? What do you want from this team? What's your end goal?" And he goes, "Beheim should teach these guys how to use a backdoor cut." It's like okay, all right. That's uh, and you had me there for a minute. And then the the first Twitter comment under that video was somebody tweeting a photo of Elijah Hughes running a backdoor cut for a dunk from <laughs> from Marek last year. I think Mike Waters ratioed that tweet. Anytime, anytime your opinion gets ratioed by a Mike Waters reply, it's probably not a good take. Yeah, that that was bad. Um, but yeah, um, to to get so, back on track here, I. Once once Kadar hit it, cut it to four with that three, that was the point where you think back to the the Virginia Elite Eight game with Malachi. You're like, okay, we've haven't been great all game. It's been close, but we haven't had a lead. This may be our turning point, and it just never ended up surfacing. You combine the foul trouble. I know Jesse. People talk about the run when Jesse he was, was tired, out there. Though. But, yeah, yeah. he actually played really well, I thought, on defense. He did. He did. He played really well, and he's come along really strongly towards the end of the year. So maybe some talk for later in the pod, but our constant gripe has been the center spot, and I feel a little bit better after seeing some performances like his towards the end of the year. Just a lot of overall thoughts that I'm trying to make sense of, but overall a different – Different ending than I was expecting, and uh, doesn't make it any easier with these uh, transfers. Dude, honestly, up until yesterday, I thought the biggest like story or complaint I was going to see on Syracuse Twitter was that Jesse got pulled at the end of the first half when we went on that run to tie it, and then Houston went up by ten and going into the locker room. I legit thought that was going to be the biggest gripe, and then yesterday happened, and like, oh man, it feels like it feels like the Sweet Sixteen was like a week ago or like longer, like a month ago. Oh, yeah. And we said in the last podcast, what's the biggest Syracuse outcome? And it was, I don't remember what we settled on. This is probably the most Syracuse outcome. You make a a surprise run to the Sweet 16 with the double-digit seed. You keep it close and then lose. And then you have a transfer that pretty much destroys unravels the all, fan base <laughs> unravel that's a perfect way unravels the entire fan base i don't care who you are and the fan base like you have a strong opinion on this everybody had a strong reaction <laughs> like i think i think we're done with the houston game right are we, are we just yeah into the yeah let's, transfers let's just now? talk transfers all right so well, hold on before we let, get... let's start from the beginning why don't we start with john yes. bull and in braswell okay so John Bull didn't surprise me. He didn't play at all last year. He played a few games this year, sparing minutes. I thought that was going to happen. That's very not surprising to me. Braswell, 
a little bit more surprised me. I honestly thought he might stay because I thought he carved out a role coming down the stretch in this season, like playing well in the NCAA tournament against uh, San Diego State and West Virginia, playing well in the ACC tournament. Like, I thought he had carved himself out a role, but I, I clearly, I guess, not. And then the big one was Kadari, and I, I didn't, I honestly didn't think he was going to go anywhere. I thought he'd be the core group of like Joe, Buddy, Kadari, and Quincy, even though he's testing the waters. I think he's coming back. Like those four would come back and then we kind of build around that. Uh, but no, that is that is not the case. Kadari will transfer. He His, his stat line, 6.3 points per game. This year, three assists, 21 minutes a game. 1.6 steals, which was fourth in the ACC for only playing 21 minutes. Sparked Let a me lot ask of you this, though. Before, before we get into kind of our opinions on it, is this the most outrage you've ever seen for a six-point-per-game player transferring? Yes. It's got to be, right? It's the most outrage I've seen over a Syracuse player transferring probably ever. I'm not going to lie. Easily. I can't, think, Easily. I can't think of another transfer that comes close. Like, people have been disappointed over people transferring, but I don't think I've seen people this like legitimately angry over a transfer. Yeah, and everyone speaks to recent history where there haven't been too many transfers that have left SU and then really shined somewhere else, B.J. Johnson being the big exception. But even then, he went to LaSalle, and at the time, people mm-hmm. weren't up in arms about it. You, you, I'm sure you got to go back to the 80s or 90s and sort it out there. And, of course, there was no message boards or Twitter at that time. But I've never seen a fan base – outside of Syracuse or Syracuse be so, so up in arms about a six point per game player transferring. And you can kind of see why I'm just interested no, to can. point that out. What are your, what are your thoughts on this? Like, I want to get your, what was your initial reaction? What are you feeling now? Well, my initial reaction was this sucks. <laughs> this, this really sucks. <laughs> what did, I sent you the, like, I found the tweet first, right? Well, what did I say? I think I just, fuck. That was it. When I saw the tweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah beep you're gonna have to mark this pod as explicit depending on how uh how <laughs> how crazy you get in your response because i know you were fired up about it listen my initial response on this i was really upset because i thought he's the best pro- prospect on this team like he's he's the perfect syracuse guard he has a really good feel for the game he's six six at the point guard spot it's incredible on defense like, he's, he's a very good player, and I haven't worried too much about SU transfers leaving in the past, whether it's Moyer or Torian Thompson, which, side note, Torian Thompson is like a doppelganger to Evan Mobley. I noticed that the other yeah, day. Yeah, he is a little bit. That's, still one of the, <laughs> that's one of the more, like, the weirder transfers, that whole thing with Torian. Like, yep. That was one if of he was like, on this team, he, he's probably the starting center this year. Yeah, that, that – that one wasn't – I was mad. I was just, like, confused. Like, the whole story, I was like, that's just yeah. – that was the most bizarre thing in the world. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, the story came out. It was like, not only is Torian Thompson transferring from Syracuse, he's already enrolled at Seton Hall. Is is in class today at Seton Hall. It's like, oh, he is? <laughs> but anyway, with with Kadari, it's it's almost like it hurts more because he was the hidden gem. Mm-hmm. And, and it's the same with Braswell. Both of these guys were plan B. Braswell only was offered and signed after the whole Darius Baisley thing. Like, that's, that roster spot was Darius Baisley's. Once he jumps to the NBA, oh, shoot, we got to fill this spot. Let's get this athletic track and field star who can jump out of the gym from South Carolina and develop him, and that was Braswell. For Kadari big target was um andre jackson mm-hmm. albany kids spurns su goes to yukon whole fan base up in arms again we get kadari keep in mind Beheim said kadari was as far along as he's seen a freshman he was comparing him to like, he was comparing him to like ennis and i think carter williams yeah. like two first round picks yep so when you look at this whole saga it's just it's crazy how things can flip and that's, that's what I try to remind myself is everyone was upset when Baisley left, and now they're upset when Braswell left. Everyone was upset when Andre Jackson didn't commit, 
and then Kadari commits. Now it's the end of the world when Kadari leaves. And I do think there's more reason to be upset, but there's a ton of factors at play here. And I think the biggest one is that new transfer role, which we can get into. So I kind of find fall somewhere in the, in the middle. Like I, I was, I was pissed when I first saw the news. I, w- I was not happy. Um, but like I kind of, I think you said something to me. Like, look, even if he had started, played thirty-five minutes, he might have still transferred anyway, just because of the system that it's in, and that's very, very true. But I think a little bit of blame does have to go on Beheim because I, I, there was the report that he had promised the starting job to Gerard, which he came out and pretty strongly refuted. So I'm going to take him at his word that that wasn't true. I don't. I didn't really buy that from the jump. Yeah, I think I, I thought if anything. Very worst case scenario, he'll pull the classic like James Sutherland, Dion Waiters card and be like, now we have six starters. Like he's a starter off the bench. And even that I thought was a little premature for Beheim to say. So I didn't really give too much credence to that from the jump. He also did. Then he said the best player will play. Best player didn't play last year. I, I, I like Joe Girard a lot as a person, but he struggled last year. Kadari was very clearly better. I don't think that's an argument. Um, so I think that's where Beheim probably get thrown in a little blame. Like if he says he wants to play the best player, why didn't Kadari play more? And then Kadari had the quote in the athletics saying, I just felt like I wanted to go somewhere I could play my game without restrictions and have a chance to showcase my game. Like not having to think about certain things out there on the basketball court, more freedom. I learned a lot of things here as in, in Syracuse. One thing I, I can show people now is that I actually have the ability to shoot the basketball. Now, if Beheim's saying don't combine with Beheim saying, look, you don't shoot. This is what you want. Drive. Look to facilitate first. Him not playing over Joe Girard. Joe's already said he's coming back. I don't blame Kadari. He's seeing the tea leaves looking on the – he's seeing the tea leaves. He's like, look, I have this opportunity. I'm going to take it. Um, I don't blame Kadari. I also don't think Beheim is totally absolved of blaming here. But I do think that the transfer rule does play a part in it. And I think that's what people missed when this first happened. I'm not saying Beheim's totally absolved of any blame here, but I do think the, the transfer rule does play a part. A few thoughts on that. First off, this question kind of popped into my brain today, and I don't think it's as crazy as people think. Who had a better freshman season, Gerard or Kadari? Stat-wise, Joe did. Yep. If you, look strictly, at, if you look strictly at numbers, Joe did, but he also did play more minutes, and there were right. more games. Right, too, don't right, forget right. that. At the same time, it's clear to anybody that that Kadari has more NBA potential and all that. Kadari does the the he has like the intangibles that don't show up on the stat sheet. Like he'll make yeah. the zone better just because of how long he is. And like you're looking at the when he broke the press against West Virginia, where we couldn't get the ball inbounds like for like three times, and he's just like, "No, nah, I'll take it myself." I just went up the sideline, got it over half court, and, and kind of saved us there. He he does stuff like that that doesn't show up on the score sheet, and I think that will be missed going into next year as well. Yep. I'll say this, too. I think the new transfer rule is huge because I, I've i been listening to a lot of Eric Devendorf's podcasts. I know you've listened to some, too, the score is table. It's, it's like 75% of the former players on there said, I thought about transferring after my freshman year. And I don't know if that's a strictly Syracuse thing, just because of the way Beheim operates, or if it's a college basketball thing. Um, you know, Eton Thomas said it on the last one. Scoop Jardine has said it. Um, I'm, I'm forgetting a few, but do you think Kadari transfers if he has to sit a year? Like, just straight up, all circumstances the same. I think he thinks about it, but I think he probably, ha- I think he probably stays if he has to, if he has to sit. Um, mm-hmm. I'd that probably say said, so, too. That being said, I could be wrong, but I think the one-time rule does play a big role here. And, like, honestly, I'm not, I yeah. don't hate the rule. I think it's probably good that the players are, like, being able to do what they want, I guess, just once. Um, as a ba- college basketball fan, as, like, big picture, I like it because it, it, like, brings – it gets their stuff to talk about, and I think it's kind of cool. As a Syracuse fan, I hate it. But like, <laughs> yeah, like, can we agree that this rule is at the same time good for the players, but bad for the product? Like, I, I think that's kind of what um, it comes down to. 
I don't know if I because would say how, that. I don't think I could I see it becoming a trend where Duke and Kentucky, they're not gonna recruit Kadari Richmond out of high school if he's the 90th player in the class. Kadari Richmond has a year like he does this year. Duke's gonna come calling. Kentucky's gonna come calling. It's like a free year of scouting almost if they can transfer there without penalty. Does it even out where the guys who can't cut it at Duke probably end up at a Syracuse? Like maybe. I don't know. I just I just think in terms of the, the pure level of roster turnover, it's gonna completely skyrocket. And I'm not saying I'm not saying it shouldn't be the rule. I'm just saying that's what's gonna be the reality when, when you look at rosters. I just don't I, I think this year is just so different that everybody gets the waiver. I don't think everyone's gonna look to transfer every single year. Like I don't think like I don't think the women's team is gonna have ten people transfer every single season. I think that's just that's a whole weird another another thing, but we can get into but that did later. The, did the ten the one time transfer rule pass? Not yet. Oh, it didn't. Okay. It hasn't passed yet. This is just for this year. I, it's going. Right. It's so going that's, to. That's, but that's it. That's my point. Is if that one time transfer rule continues, that's what you're going to see. This year, I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. I, even if the one time transfer rule passes, I don't think. I mean, I don't think every freshman is going to want to leave. Like, it, like. I don't know. Maybe don't know. I'm wrong. There's, but... there's over a thousand names in the portal right yeah. now. It's wild. And the, the season isn't even over. And no, it's not. There's <laughs> two more. So, what what's the case when maybe guys don't get the extra year with COVID or or like it's it's a quote unquote normal year? I like what is that number? Eight hundred instead of twelve hundred? Like it's still it's still a lot, and it's still going to be know. a lot more than it ever was. Um, when it relates to Kadari, though. That statement you mentioned, I know we're kind of all over the place on this. One thing that jumped out to me was that last line, and that's where I really questioned whether he would be here even if he was a starter, is that he's he wants to showcase that he can shoot. Mm-hmm. Now, if Joe Girard was not on the team and Kadari was the only guard besides Buddy Beheim, and he's playing 40 minutes a night, I still don't think Beheim is letting him shoot this year. I really don't. You've heard it with Paul Harris in the past. Again, different position. Paul Harris, same issue. Like, you shoot, you're gone. He, he's Beheim's brought up Demetrius Nichols, who's gone down as one of the better shooters in SU history. He said when he came in, he shot about 10%. Was not, not allowed to shoot. Not given the green light. I don't think Beheim was going to spend Kadari's entire career saying he can't shoot i think he was waiting to see enough from him in his opinion in practice to allow that to happen now you can agree or disagree with whether that should be the case i'm just saying that's the way behan's always been and even if kadari was playing quote unquote without menace restrictions the restriction of still not being able to shoot would still be there and and you can say that he had a similar three-point percentage to gerard that's because gerard is known as a shooter and is being tightly covered. Like Kadari, they're they're pretty much leaving open and he's still shot in the low thirties. So I think he's an NBA player. I think he's probably the was the best NBA prospect on the roster. I wouldn't call him a shooter. And I, I don't really have a problem with him not having the complete green light that Gerard did. And maybe when I look at that statement, if that's part of the overall goal, that may have never worked no matter how many minutes he was getting. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I also think at some point, I think at some point you got to let your, your your young, talented point guard, you got to let him shoot. Like, I get wanting to see more in practice, but, but at what point do you have to let him off the leash and say, maybe not give him, like, the full green light, but, like, let him shoot. Like, come on. I don't know. You Like, he, he made a big one in the tourney, but you could say the same thing about Quincy. Like, yeah. Quincy has, has wanted to shoot. Like, I... I wouldn't be too happy seeing Quincy fire up eight, nine threes a game. Like, he's just <laughs> – if you're open, sure. I just – I don't know. Um, one more element to this I want to say is I brought this up, and you you weren't buying it. But I, I was just saying, you look at SU teams of the past. If you – again, let me preface this. This is a different situation. But if you were a point guard on a Sweet 16 Syracuse team, coming in as a freshman and playing 21 minutes a game, 95% of the time in the past, you are completely happy with that. 
Now it's a little different with Gerard in place and playing 30 plus minutes a night in front of you. But with all that said, you look at Michael Carter Williams playing what six minutes a game as a freshman. You look at Deion Waiters never starting a game at SU and being the fourth pick in the NBA draft. James Sutherland, another talented guy that came off the bench. CJ Fair started his career on the bench, ends up an All American. It's a different era. I get it, especially if you can say, I have a free pass to jump wherever I want to further my NBA career. I'm not faulting him for it. I just want to point out this is a different era of college basketball, whether we want to admit it or not. Well, that's the thing. It is, it is a different era. And Kari's goal is to get to the NBA. And if there's a guy ahead of him who is playing over him and playing more than him, and Kari knows that he's better than he is, why would he want to sit behind him next year? Like, there's no guarantee that even if he did come back, that it wouldn't be the same scenario where Joe's playing 35 minutes, Kadari's getting 20, 25. Like, why would he want to sit behind him? He knows he's better than he is, but Kadari knows he's better than Joe is. Like, I, I, know yeah. what I know what you mean about, like, those old school Syracuse. I mean, old school, it was like the beginning. Old school is in. The eight <laughs> guys years are ago. Still, yeah. Good God. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's how fast things change. Like, it's just a different game than it was in 2013 or 2014. It just is what it is. Yeah, and and I do have some uh, some agreement with that. That like, if if you're behind a guy who you know you're better than, and you just want to get to the NBA, and you have this opportunity in front of you, you can't really fault Kadari for for taking it. Uh, that said, I I thought Chris Carlson made a really good point about this. Um, Chris Carlson of Syracuse.com. He's replying to a tweet, and he says. Can't speak to Kadari's choice. In general, I expect most guys are looking to start and try to play 30-plus. Think it's a think it's huge that the pandemic makes it impossible for players to build ties to a school that would keep you there when the basketball stuff isn't perfect for you. I think that's a really underrated part of this because every SU alum you talk to, basketball or not, it's like Orange Nation, the school spirit, campus life, uh, you know, for some, it's it's like the the party scene on when you're on campus, or just like being treated as as like a celebrity, even though you're uh, a quote unquote amateur athlete. Like all these different benefits of being a Syracuse basketball player. If if you're not in the best position on the court, you don't get the benefit of playing in front of thirty thousand people in the dome. You're playing in front of zero. You can't go out in any social situations. Like, your love for SU is certainly not going to be at the level it would have been otherwise. So if, if all, you're, all you're allowed to do socially is play basketball and the basketball stuff isn't where you want it to be, it's easy to see why you'd bounce. I think that's a fair point. I don't know if it plays, like, a, like a ridiculously massive role. Um, but no, I, I think that's fair. Like, look, look, he couldn't go down to Marsh. He couldn't go to varsity and sit inside, I don't think. Like, he couldn't go do any like, of that stuff. He certainly wasn't going to hair, like, Lucy's or anything like that. <laughs> um, and there was nobody in the dome. Like, if he plays a full season and there's people there, he's like, the team's the king of campus like they always are. Maybe it's a little different, but... And this is his only year at SU. Like, this is all he's ever known. He's never yeah. played in front of a, a big dome crowd. He's never experienced the campus life. He's never even probably been to in-person classes like this. I, I think no, that's certainly a factor. Like when that's all you know a school for, like when it's when it's kind of like a tiebreaker. If, I'm not saying it was when when you pull that up together and it's like, yeah, it's not the best, but may, I love this this campus and this school. So maybe I'll stick it out one more year and see what happens. Like you're not doing that if this is all you know. Piled on top with the basketball not going the way he wanted it to. I could see that being – I don't necessarily think it was – no, if it was a deal breaker or not, you'd have to ask him. But I, no, I, I think no that's a fair tell. point. No, there's nobody to tell. Yeah. Just, you'll, you'll, you'll never know, but I think it's a fair point. Uh, Kadari's also received, received interest already from Maryland, Creighton, St. John's, Seton Hall, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Georgetown, Lemoyne, <laughs> Providence, <laughs> Utah, and Florida State. So Oof. I just – if he goes to Florida State, that'll be a tough, tough matchup because he he would fit in there so well. You know he's gonna they need a point guard. Ten when we play Florida State. <laughs> yeah. Or or he's gonna struggle and Bayham's gonna call him out in the press conference. Oh, all he's, 
I just hope it that's going to happen. Isn't it? I hope like even just like the next three weeks, he needs to not say something like he just needs to not go on a rant about like the new rule. Just don't say it. Just, just please don't say anything. I don't want him to deal with that again. Who cares though? Like, is anyone going to change their opinion on Beheim? He's, no, he's been be saying thing, the same stick for again. I don't want to have to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> what does Jay Billis think? Uh, well, it's it's going to be. Uh, I just I don't care. Just, please don't. Please just don't do it. Say anything, Jim. I beg, I beg you. Um, Man, we, <laughs> we did bring someone in in today, so it's not all gloom and doom. Uh, you want to talk about Samir Torrance, Keith? Let's do it. All right. So Samir Torrance, a Syracuse native, guard from Marquette. Not much playing time there. Transferred in today. Uh, 6'3", 205 pounds. He's very long. Not as long as Kadari, but I'm not going to turn down length in the zone. Former four-star top 100 player from 2019. He also reclassified to 2019. 52 games played in two years at Marquette. Only three starts, all coming in 2021. 2.4 points per game in 2021. 13 minutes, 31% shooting. Mike McAllister called him a pass-first point guard. Everything I've read on him says he's a very physical defender, which is a good thing and something Syracuse needs in the defensive end. Again, he's born here. He played AAU ball with Joe and, and Buddy. Buddy, I guess, was texting with him saying, and he mentioned, like, hey, if Kadari leaves, I'm interested. So it's clear that he wants to be here, and I like that. And he seems like, again, the numbers aren't gaudy and they don't jump off the page at you. But the length and that he, he plays physical, I like that in a player. Yeah, yeah, and at 6'3", 205, he is, uh, he's heavier than Marek. He is, uh, he's only 15 pounds lighter than, uh, than Quincy. He's heavier than Woody, and he is only 13 pounds lighter than Barama. And just for reference, he is 25 pounds heavier than Kadari is listed at. So the, he's got some bulk, even though he, he doesn't does. have the, the tall frame that, you might expect from an SU guard. One stat I read today that I thought was interesting, I was telling you before the show, I think it was Stephen Bailey that pointed this out. I mentioned there's over 1,000 players in the transfer mm-hmm. portal right now. If you go based off high school rankings, and I know they're not everything, he was the third highest ranked high school prospect out of those 1,000-plus players. Which is that's, why. That's nothing to overlook. Like, no. That's, that's important. Like He has talent. It hasn't, like... Like exactly burst out when he, since he's been at Marquette, but the talent is there. I'm not going to say no to any talent coming to Syracuse right now. Yeah, and then the numbers may be a little disappointing when you look at the big picture of what he was expected to do. You just never know. Like I don't think anyone who's an SU fan, unless you have some weird connection, are are watching Marquette day in day out and be like, well, this is exactly what happened. Why he's he's only averaging three points a game. I think he's got the talent. I think he's got chemistry with with Buddy and Joe, and I think he'll be a a guy who knows his role off the bench. Yeah. We we will not – I'll put it this way. We will not be debating at this time next year whether Samir Torrance is going to be upset with his playing time and looking to transfer. Like, he, he's going to come in and he's going to know his role and be like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to play 10, 15 minutes off the bench. Yeah. Like, he's not – he doesn't want – 35 minutes. That's not no. why he came here. He wanted to come home and play with He wants with to be here. Who... He wants to play for the team he rooted for growing up. He wants to play with his buddies. He, he, he's been friends with Joe and Kadari and Joe and Buddy, excuse me, since, like, I guess before high school. Like, they played AU together. They played against each other in high school. Like, uh, I get it. So, he'd be the, he's going to be the guy, like, off the bench giving Joe or Buddy a spell at the top of that zone. And I'll take it. I'll take any talent we can get. Cole Sweater yep. coming yeah. down, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can talk about Cole Slider too. I just one last note on this. I still want them to add one more guard. Yes, uh, Torrance. He's he's at six three. He's kind of a combo guard though. He plays kind of more like a two. So I I would still love to see them bring in a, another guard, like a true point guard. Yeah, yeah. Like I hate to say it, but someone with Kadari's frame. Uh, even though it, you don't expect to get the same NBA talent, but like a taller guard who's maybe more like a three and D guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just, just to add some depth to that rotation, but some other names, you mentioned Cole Swider. He's, he's, the, he's the one I've seen. That's been like very, like it's only been a few hours, but he's been like actually right away linked to Syracuse that like SU's already reached out. Uh, somebody tweeted that Syracuse was his second choice behind Villanova when he originally committed. 
uh, he's a talented player. He has been for Villanova. I would take that in a heartbeat. That would be huge coming in for next year. Yep, I would love it. He's he's almost built in that Leiden kind of stretch four role. I think he's like six nine. Um, but yeah, he's he's been averaging like six seven points a game for Nova, and I think he could he could make a really big impact. Um, while we're on this, do you think do you think any other guys leave? I know there's some rumblings about Woody and. Who knows how the season ended with Alan Griffin, but I think he'll be around. I think Griffin will stay. I think uh, Quincy, again, I said taste testing the NBA waters. I think he'll come back. That withdrawal deadline is July 19th. Just putting that out there. Um, so we could talk about it all summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what do you, uh, there could be. Woody maybe. Uh, Alan maybe, but I don't think so. We'll find out over the next two, three weeks. So there'll be stuff to, to, to talk about. Um, right now, I'm assuming that Dolajai and City Bay aren't coming back. I think I said I don't think Dolajai is coming back like two, three weeks ago. I think he's going to go try and play, play pro in Europe. And I'm, I'm starting to lean more towards City Bay. He's going to try and go play overseas somewhere while he still can before his knees just totally give out on him, which, again, I, I wouldn't blame them for. And I would also love to have another center in the transfer portal from somewhere. Um, Quadis Wahab. Honestly, yeah, why at, not? Played at Georgetown, and you think of, like, the centers they have recently. Jesse Govan t- tore us up, like, three years ago. But Wahab was a guy that Syracuse had recruited back when he was in, in high school, and he's more of that big physical guy that we've been waiting for. So not to say he'll be – Hunter Dickinson or Kofi Coburn, but I would Dickinson gladly take him. Hunter Dickinson who can't make a layup. Good God, at the end of that game last night. <laughs> he he um, struggled. He struggled. But yeah, so we're looking at basically, if off the top of my head, a lineup of Joe at the one, Buddy two. I'm going to say probably Quincy Gerard at the three, three. Gerard at the four, <laughs> Jimmy Beheim at the five. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about Jimmy Beheim. Um you think he's coming? I'll say two things. One, if I had to guess, I would say yes. Yeah. It just makes too much sense. Also, can we chill out online about like our assuming he'll come and assuming he'll be a starter and prematurely getting mad prematurely start. getting mad about his performance? Like everyone's like, Oh, this is this is Beheim's dream, like Gerard, Beheim one, Beheim two, just ruining the pro it's like he hasn't even committed yet. We don't know what his role is going to be, even if he did commit. And the guy averaged 18 points a game and was like the leading scorer in the Ivy League. Like he's not a scrub. So he's I just I'll say star- that he's also not starting over Benny Williams, Quincy Garrier, Buddy. He's not starting over his brother. Like no. <laughs> let's calm down. No, I think he'd be a solid addition, though. I, if if I were a betting man, I'd say yeah, he's coming. I, I would. Who would you sure. rather have on your upcoming roster, Robert Braswell or Jimmy Bayon? That is a fascinating question. Because I, it's it's interesting to look at. Everyone gets upset about Kadari, and for good reason. But I looked at last year's guys, the mass exodus. We didn't miss any of them, to be no. to be quite honest. Howard Washington, Jalen Carey, Bryson Goodine. I We really didn't miss them at all. And so I think we'll miss Kadari. I think that's a given. Mm-hmm. But if you say Kadari, Braswell, and John Bolajak – and you bring in, I don't know, a couple good transfers along with Torrance. Like, I don't think it's necessarily uh, falling off a cliff. Like, it's no. probably better if you had Kadari. But if you look at the sum of the offseason departures and offseason additions, I think you're looking at it the right way as opposed to being like, this guy is gone, we're screwed. That was also the part that made me, like, calm down a little bit. I'm like, okay. There's a thousand kids' name in the portal. Let's calm down and see what we get before we jump into. Oh my God, we're gonna suck next year and go six and twenty-five. Like, let's deep breath. Wait till like August or the middle of the summer, and then we'll look at the roster as a whole. Like, we don't even know who's gonna come back yet, really. Other than I think the only firm commits are Joe, Buddy, and Jesse. That's it, right? Yeah, yeah. I saw the tweet floating around from Matthew Gutierrez about the three expected to return i think that he meant like more completely locked in well buddy and joe but i'm sure i'm sure we see more of uh 
more than three people come back. I I would be pretty shocked if we didn't. Yeah. Um, but the no, women's I, team, though. <laughs> oh my God! You want to talk about that quick? Oh Lord, yeah. So well, let's jump back. The women's team won their first round game against South Dakota State. We talked about it in the last podcast. Then unfortunately, they had to play UConn in the second round, and they hung around for like the first quarter and a half. UConn went on a fourteen-five run to end the first half. Second half just turned it on. Syracuse didn't wasn't closed. It eighty-three forty-seven ended the season at the hands of the Huskies, who are now in the Final Four. SU shooting just 16 of 57 for 28%, 3 of 15 from, from 3. Very similar to the guys, how they ended their season. 18 turnovers for Syracuse. It was, I watched this whole game. They were throwing the ball all over the place. It was ugly. UConn, 27 points off the turnovers. Emily Angsler and Camilo Cardoso led the team as one of 12. It was also the last game for Tiana Mangakahia. Uh, 37 minutes, 7 points, 3 assists. She was very emotional in the game. Understandable. Said she didn't feel like she was the same, but she was proud of herself. Finished her career with 736 assists, which is an SU record. And not thinking, I, I thought that was it. Um, I knew we were losing Tiana. I wasn't really thinking about transfers for the women's team until a couple days ago when seven of them put their name in the portal. And that's jumped up to 10 Jeez. total. So let me, I'm going to read off the list. Just bear with me for a second. Uh, Maeve Dijal Talby, Emily Angsler, Talia Williams, Laura Fitzmaurice, 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 I'm sorry, I don't know how to say her last name, Faith Blackstone, Kiara Lewis. Amaya Finkelgidi, Digna Stroutmanok, Kamaya McNeil, Maud Hubens, I'm sorry, plus Tiana going to the WNBA. The only two, the only rotation player from the tournament is Cardoso returning. There's also Priscilla Williams, who got hurt in the ACC tournament, if you don't remember. She hasn't put her name in the portal. Other than that, those are the only two players from last year that are put in any kind of real impact that are returning. Like, I know this is a weird year. But there's 10 girls in the portal. That's weird. Like, even for this year. Yeah, and I don't want to speculate on if something's going on. But this, this year has brought off, brought so many changes and transfers and all that. This this year might be remembered as, like, I don't want to say the, a waste of talent, like, given all the challenges this season. But you looked at how stacked this roster was, and you felt like, this program was in a really good place to keep it rolling for the next five years or so. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, what, what hope do you have outside Cardoso, which is a, a huge hope, like a ACC player of the year candidate. But other than that, it's like, where's the rest of our roster? It, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I don't know. I haven't looked at the recruiting for the women's team for next year. I don't know. I think there's a, it's a good class again, coming in. I don't know how many people like Q's going to have to pull people in the portal. Like there, I, again, you say you don't want to speculate. There's got to be something like behind the scenes. We just don't know. Right. Cause you don't get 10 girls just transferring like on a whim. Well, the one that, that shocked me most was Kiara Lewis. She yeah. was the leading scorer. Wasn't she this year? She and Tiana were like the, before the season started, like we're the quote unquote best backcourt in either the ACC or the country. They were that good. Yeah, I think she led the team with, like, 14 and change scoring. Yeah. And that's usually... Angsler was surprising to me, too. That Those two were the two biggest ones. Yeah, yeah, and she had some uh, some issues. Like, I think she was academic stuff that held her back a little bit. And then she came back and, like, never missed a beat and played really well. But when it comes to Lewis, it's like, you, you see people transfer for better opportunities. What what better opportunity do you have than to be the leading scorer for a tournament team with a, a star center? Like, I don't know. You just, that's, that's the one that makes me wonder, like, wow, what's what's going on here? And uh, Digna Stroutman, I remember she was a senior. She started, she started every game for Syracuse in her career, and she's going to use her fifth year elsewhere. So... I don't know. It's it's weird. They did bring in a transfer. It's I'm sorry if I don't know. I'm not pronouncing her first name right. Shalexis Aaron from USC, six one guard. She played in twelve games for the Trojans last year. Six point five points per game. Twenty of fifty four percent from three. So she's a good shooter. She got two years of eligibility left. But she was gonna have to get to work and get some a ton of transfers because I, from, unless people start pulling their names out, they're gonna be down a ton. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about it. So it, I'm interested to see where they go from here because, honestly, it's tough to label anything again given the circumstances this year. But objectively, I'd say it was a pretty disappointing season given the roster they had was to 
end up with the the eight seed and then just win one tournament game. It's uh it's tough. Yeah, for sure. Uh, do you have any other Syracuse basketball stuff you want to hit on? No, I think I think we hit most of it. It's it's just like us SU fans to have a a good run in March and then immediately hit the panic <laughs> button for some reason or another, whether that's draft declarations or transfers. But just just keep in mind, this team made to the Sweet Sixteen like less than a week ago, yeah, three or four days ago. I this sky isn't quite falling, despite what some in the comment section might say. There's still a lot that can happen. There's there'll be content for us to talk about over the over the summer. I was I was worried. Um, so no doubt we'll see. We'll see what happens. Do you do you think with Beheim's comments at all? Did he? I wonder if he knew Kaderi was was leaving because he made the comment on Brent Axis radio show like, "Don't be surprised to see four, five, six guys leave." He was pretty much he, bracing us for it. I knew he would. I. I'm sure he knew a lot would leave. I don't know if he knew Kadari specifically, but he he knew something was going to drop, and fans wouldn't get, weren't going to be happy about it. Yeah, I bet you he knew people were like ha- leaning toward leaving, but maybe not like totally. Who the hell Does knows? the I know you said the Braswell one as we cap off here. That one surprised me a little bit too because he had mm-hmm. entered the portal before this season and decided to come back. He gets a bigger role, and now he's leaving. So. Wishing the best, obviously. No, but, absolutely. Uh, Kadari, that, that too. Did, yeah, yeah. That, that one surprised me a little bit. I, I thought he would be back, but can't blame him for seeking a better opportunity. Yeah, look, follow us on Twitter at MarshallSTPod44. I keep up with the transfer portal stuff. So if you want to be updated, just follow us. I'll keep you guys updated. Um, all right. So, Keith, we have our final four. Who's winning the national championship and why is it Gonzaga? <laughs> Oh, I thought Michigan actually matched up with Gonzaga maybe better than any team left. And the fact that UCLA works their magic against them leads me to believe that Gonzaga will beat them by, like, 35. <laughs> like, they, I think they'll probably roll through UCLA. It's, on one hand, like, it's a pretty easy run Gonzaga's had. But it's only easy because they're so good that it makes it look like Creighton's a tough team. USC's a tough team with a top NBA prospect. Oklahoma had three top 10 wins in a row earlier this season, like in the sec- in that second round game. So they weren't a slouch yeah. either. If anyone's had the, the easy route, it's Houston. No disrespect <laughs> to the Orange, but uh, <laughs> they haven't played a single digit seed, like you said. So I'm going to stick with Chalk here. I think I'm going to take Gonzaga over Baylor in the final. Yeah, I agree. I, I kind of think both semis are going to be blowouts, honestly. Um, and then Gonzaga Baylor in the championship game. I just don't see they're so good. You you even if you stop like Timmy, you got four other guys that are going are going to beat you. Like you have to play perfectly, and then Gonzaga, everybody on that team has to play the worst game of their lives if you're going to beat them. Like it's that's how good they are. Yeah, it's not yeah. even it's not even like that 2015 Kentucky team where. I didn't even pick them to win the championship that year. I picked them to lose to Wisconsin in that semi because I'm a genius. Um, they had a, like a bunch of really close calls down the stretch in that season. They almost lost to Ole Miss, I think, at home. They pulled out the SEC tournament. They almost lost to Notre Dame at the buzzer in the in the Elite Eight. I think their Sweet 16 game was close, too. Like That team had like red flags, like, oh, what's going on here? This Gonzaga team doesn't. Like They're that good. They are. I think they had four guys on the watch list for like player of the year at their position. So basically four of their five starters are in the top five of their position in the country. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty incredible. So it's like Jalen Suggs is just a maestro at point guard. He's so fun to watch. <laughs> and then you got Kispert and Timmy down low. Like th- this team is just so good. And it's, I don't know if there's some Gonzaga haters out there. Personally, they probably are. <laughs> I find it easy to root against like Kentucky or even just blue bloods in general. I find it tough to root against Gonzaga. Like this, this is a fun team that's not likable. Even like Mark never Peterson, won the title. Guy. I still think they would have had a good shot to win the title against UNC had Zach Collins not fouled out on some some bogus, questionable calls. But that game changed in the second half. That 2017 championship game, the officials yep. didn't take the whistles out of their mouths the entire 20 minutes. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, I think. 
I think this is almost like the best case scenario for the tournament outside, obviously, Syracuse winning, which we all hope for. But you had the craziness and the madness and all the wild upsets with Oral Roberts and Abilene. But you still have the top dogs playing at the end. Yeah. Um, so this is common, uh, kind of a common iteration now that, that people are saying is everyone loves the upsets until you see like VCU versus Butler in the championship game. And then everyone's like, what is this? Like we, we don't even have that issue. We see the upsets, but we still have the powerhouses that everyone picked to win. So I think it'll be a good final. Yeah, for sure. Um, I just hope it's close. I just hope, I hope Gonzaga has a game that goes down the wire. That's all I hope. I think if it, it might end up like, that West Virginia game they played uh, in Indy earlier this year, but I don't know. I, they've just beaten they've beaten up so many good teams and beaten them by a lot that just like I don't know. I have no faith anybody's gonna beat them. <laughs> Jake, if if UCLA beats Gonzaga, I heard you are gonna order five Acropolis pizzas to one of our lucky listeners just just for that because you don't think it'll happen. <laughs> Why would I get them Acropolis from Farsi's literally right next to <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, man. Calios is gone, so you could get us oh, some DP dough now. Just a bummer. I miss Calios. I was thinking about that the other day. I was, sitting, I was sitting up late watching the games, and I'm like, you know what would hit right now? Like a bacon cheeseburger calzone from Calios with a Bud Light. <laughs> and then two hours later, you would regret the decision. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. But that's the beauty of it. That's that the is the beauty of it. Oh, I miss that so much. Um, all right. Let's talk about lacrosse quick. Uh, SU went down to Cam- not Cameron, Jesus Christ, went down, <laughs> went down to Durham, take on Duke. Uh, trailed at 1.125, came back to take the lead 14-13 in the fourth quarter, ended up falling 15-14 to the number two Blue Devils. Um, it was a really fun game to watch. I think I caught the end of. I think I caught the fourth quarter. Uh, Michael Sowers had the winner for Duke. Dordovic had that go-ahead goal for Syracuse, but just not enough. Um, I think these two teams will meet again at some point, either in the NCAA tournament, ACC tournament. Uh, the Orange played Notre Dame number nine on Saturday at the Dome, and they held fourth in the inside the cross polls. Yeah, it's it's one of those sports where you can have a record that's like four and three and still be in like the top five in the country. Yeah, they also <laughs> so did lose to the number two team by one. So yeah, yeah, I, I think this team will be all right. It'll just just come down to matchups and attorney, basically. I I think they'll do enough to still get into the tournament, and then who knows past that because they have all the talent pretty much coming back from last year where they were number one. So. Still not out on them. Just a tough way to lose getting down by so much, having that fierce comeback, and then just, just falling short at the end with some yeah. some weirdness late. Yeah, just a tough way to uh, drop that one. But again, play, do, play Notre Dame Saturday. Follow us on Twitter. We'll bring you all the action live. Um, no new five-star questions. If you want to leave us a five-star question, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. The question attached to it, and we'll answer it on the next podcast. Um, now we Got go one to- last thing for you, Jake. Yep, now we go to SyracuseFan.com. Comment of the week, Keith, what do you have? Yeah, so there were far too many to choose from, and they all made me sad. So instead, I was going back to uh, this thread about Indiana. They fire Archie Miller, hire Mike Woodson, and fans were just kind of sharing their thoughts about who would would come coach. There were some Pat Knight suggestions in there, (laughs) which I thought was pretty funny. Well done. Patino was in there. Um, So they end up with Mike Woodson. They hired Thad Mata as like the associate AD for basketball something. I don't know what the title was. Basketball czar, basically. Mm -hmm. And then there's talk that they're wanting to get Larry Brown on campus as part of their staff um, in like a non-recruiting, non-traveling role. So they're they're bringing in the big guns. So let me let me ask you, Jake. Give me your big three, like Syracuse, Beheim retires. Mm-hmm. You get you get a coach that's reasonable. Don't give me your Brad Stevens to IU takes. Like, <laughs> give me like the best case reasonable scenario, like Woodson, and then give me your basketball czar and maybe a second basketball czar if you're feeling up to it. But it, give me at least the two. 
Okay. Um, you said it has to be reasonable? It has to be semi-reasonable. Like, just don't give me, like, uh, Greg okay. Popovich or anyone. <laughs> All right. So, Nate Oates as the head coach, because he's my guy. I love Nate Oates. Okay. Um, basketball czar. Um, probably Mark Titus. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think. Let me think for a second. I'm trying to think of like an older coach who's maybe either toward. What about? I don't know if you're gonna like. It. What about Patino in that role? He's not on the bench, but he's like the. Yeah. I mean, I Patino's name comes up way too much on our podcast, but that's not a bad answer. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he sneaks his way into our pod every week. He does. It's but weird. No, he does. <laughs> and then you got a third, or you're sticking with those two? I'll, I'll still with those two, because I feel like if, okay. you actually, if I sat down and thought about it, it'd be just too much dead air. <laughs> Fair. For the Thad Mata pick, I'm going to stick with Beheim himself. That might ruffle some uh, feathers, because yeah. everyone's like, oh, he's washed or whatever. I, I think... He'd be right in that role. Um, Coach-wise, it's weird because Indiana hired Woodson, who's an alum, and then they hired Mata as the czar, who's an outside guy. And then I, I look at, like, Michigan hired Phil Martelli as their um, associate head coach, and he was obviously outside at St. Joe's. So I, I should have prepped for this one. Coach-wise, hmm. I was trying to think of a player, but uh, like, yeah, I might still stick with Hop, just for uh, like the recruiting element, and then Beheim, and then I have to throw a third wild card in there because I can't pick all SU guys. Um, I might go John Beeline. Oh, that's a good one. I might, I might throw Beeline in there. John I think he'd be good, good for that because he'd be old. Like, I think a little too old to coach. But that'd be a good role for him. I actually like that a lot. That's a good one. I like John, I like John Beeline a lot. Yeah. And then uh, for my associate head coach, since GMAC and Coach Osry will probably be on to head coaching jobs by then, I'm going to go with Robert and Rochester for my uh, associate head coach. <laughs> Rochester. <laughs> <laughs> he, oh. He's strictly focused. He's the backdoor cut czar. <laughs> What's the other one who always calls? Is it? It's not Jim and Syracuse. Pat. Pat, Pat Syracuse. Syracuse. Okay. Pat's got some good stuff to say though. Sometimes. It's just love, a, it's just a great radio name, Pat and Syracuse. I love sports talk radio. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, let me just say, this is a, a tough time for everybody, but maybe none more than your local Syracuse radio call screeners. So let's let's just give a shout out, thoughts and prayers to our our Syracuse ESPN radio call screeners that had to had to filter the calls <laughs> for Brent Axe. And if some of those people who made the air were more the the rational folks, I can't I imagine who turned down. Yes. <laughs> so shout out to the call screeners. Hey at least the Buffalo uh, call screeners will have a little bit of positivity. Now, because I think the Sabres are going to win a game. <laughs> yeah. They're up by three with six minutes left. The Bills had a good run this year, so everyone's <laughs> uh, everyone's just kind of trying to adjust and be like, I don't hate it that the Sabres are so bad, even though they kind of do. But but anyway, yeah, it's it's about that time where the the games are slowing down, but the the talk radio is heating up. Yeah, and look, we'll have stuff to talk about. End of lacrosse season. We'll have all the spring football stuff. Transfer portal news, because God knows that's going to be a thing now for until the season starts, probably in November. Um, but no, we'll be here. Well, I think I also have some other stuff that I've kind of been brainstorming to talk about. So we'll we'll throw the I'll talk to you about those like in a couple of weeks, just off the air, and we'll figure stuff out. Um, but no, we'll be here talking about everything and if we don't have anything we'll just talk about nonsense maybe we'll run through our favorite nights when we were at school even though we probably shouldn't talk about those and put it (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's lots of content ideas no doubt about it (laughs) all right um keith you got anything else on this you want anything you want to put a bow on nope i think uh the su fans have suffered enough (laughs) this week than to have to listen to whatever thoughts are in my brain
right. No, no message for the haters? Nothing? <laughs> Nothing at all. Let's go, Orange. All right. So, five-star question. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes with a question in it, and we'll answer it on the next podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. I've actually started to use the Instagram a little bit more, so follow us on both at MarshallSTPod44. Don't forget to subscribe, like, retweet, and share with your friends. We've actually gained a ton of followers. Thank you guys so much. We appreciate all of you. Uh, that's Keith. I'm Jake. Go Orange. We'll see you next year for basketball. Go Orange.